welcome back, Two Hats family, to the Two Hats podcast. This is episode number 27. I'm Chris, your favorite tactical probation officer, and my co-host. Is Brittany, your favorite PO. Yeah, we've been gone for a little bit. Uh, you know, life be lifing, but uh, we back, and, uh, you know, bringing this content, and uh, try to expand on this probation, parole, community supervision, community correction family. Yes, what you been up to? You, I've been seeing you over here traveling the world. Yes, gotta get the travel in. I feel like that's what fuels me the most is traveling abroad. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. I got a trip planned for December. My family and I want to go to Thailand. I'm going to stay for a couple weeks for the holidays. So I'm excited. I need need to make what kind of money you make. I need to be able to quit my job and make what kind of money you make. That's what I need to do. (laughs) Because apparently this this 9 to 5 thing ain't working out. First of all, the nine to five takes up too much of your brain juice. You can't even be creative and get other sources of revenue because you're so focused on what you're doing. So that brings us to today's topic, rule versus city probation and parole. Yeah, so it's it's different. It's different. Um so when you your area when you worked, what kind of area was that? That was definitely city. So as you guys know, I was I was a drug court officer in a urban county. Um, I have since made a move. Um, end up buying a house in another county. Um, you know, you guys know how the housing market was and the housing prices. Everything was high and crazy. Um, couldn't get a. We could not find a house in the county we were residing in. With it being urban, up and coming, people were just moving in. The um, the housing prices were just ridiculous. We kept getting outbidded. So we ended up finding. Um, a new development. We're gonna building a house in a new development in a county next door, which is more urban. Sorry, more rural. And so I ended up staying in my in current my in my previous county. I was doing that for about four months. I was driving an hour each way every day, so an hour to work, hour home. Um, it definitely was starting to take a toll. You know, just having to get up earlier, leave earlier, get home later. You know, if I get off at five, I'm not getting home till six. And it was just a lot. And in addition, all that driving was starting to hurt, hurt my lower back. I started to have back pains. Just sitting in the car for longer periods of time than I was used to. Um, when I lived in the county I was previously working in, I had a 15 to 20 minute drive into the office, which was easy. You know, you get in the car, you know, state car, drive, drive into work. You know, work your work, you know, work my shift, and then come home. Fifteen twenty minutes home, but oh, this is also good, Chris. Somebody recently reached out to me asking about intrastate transfers uh, as far no, as no. working uh, in one county and leaving and leaving and going to another, like you did. So this is really good. So how how was that transition? Was it difficult to go from one to the other? Um, no, not at all. So in my state, we're a state system. So probation and parole is done at a state level, which means I'm a state employee. Like when I worked in PA, um, I, we uh, probation was done on the county level. So I was a county employee. So if I wanted to go work in another county, I'd have to apply, interview, you know, get hired, and then start there like day one, like a brand new employee. That's how. Okay. That's how. That's how it was. I think that's how it is in Texas, right? Well. No, in Texas, it's not a state system. 
Yeah, so yeah, it's like the letter that you just described. You would have to apply in all things. Yes. Yeah. So with my state, like I said, it's a state system. Um, you know, every county, you know, has an office. Some have multiple offices, depending on how big and you know populous that county is. Like my old county, we had one, two, three. We have three offices, and then we had like we had POs at two uh, two other off two other off sites too that you could work that you could be worked in, depending on what your specialty is. The way my state works is you have to be in your current county for at least two years. Oh, okay. which I had that I was at four years, so I had I had I had more than enough time. Um, and then you can, then you can, um, uh, write a, write a, write a memo and send up the chain of command requesting to be transferred to another county as long as the other county had openings. Oh, okay. So after a while, like I said, from commuting back and forth and just kind of complaining to my wife about how much my back was hurting. And then of course I'm losing time with the kids cause I have to leave super early in the morning to get to work. I'm coming home an hour later. And if of course, if there's traffic or there's a storm or there's an accident, man, I, one day it took me almost two hours to get home just because of the, the, there was traffic because there was a bad rainstorm, you know? So how and long like, did, how long were you doing that commute? Like for, for, for weeks, four months? months, for four months, I did it for four months. And honestly, you know, when I bought my house, my objective was I was going to keep tra- I was, was going to keep commuting every day because I liked I liked the county I worked in I I love drug court that was my thing it was my baby I was getting I was making the program the way I wanted it to be um and I loved it and I told myself I was like you know I'm doing drug court till I retire listen after four months of all that back and forth. <laughs> My back, like I said, was just starting to hurt from just sitting in the car so long. In addition, you got to think, you know, we have to work shift. We have to work second shifts four times a month. So if I work a 1 to 10, that means I don't get off till 10, which I'm not getting home till like 11. That means you're not seeing your family at all. Exactly. Then I have to wake up and then be back at work for 7.30 the next day, which means I have to leave by 6.30, which means I need to wake up by 5.30 in order to, you know, get up, shower, get dressed, walk the dog, feed the dog, you know, and get in the car by 6.30 and then, you know, hopefully get to work by 7.30. And there were a couple of days where I had to call my supervisor and say, hey, I'm going to be late. There's there's an accident or, hey, I'm going to be late. There's traffic. Um, and I don't like stuff. like I don't like stuff like that, you know? Um, plus with my job, if you're going to be late, you gotta, you gotta put in leave time. So if you're half an hour late, you gotta put in leave for half an hour. You know what I mean? So there's no grace or anything like that. So you lose, you're you're using leave time if you're late. Were you worried about being able to transfer? Is it when you did um, start the process, were you worried at all? No, not at all. Because I knew that the County, well, so the way it worked was my, uh, one of my boys that worked in my county, he transferred to another county, to a bigger county. And, you know, he kind of told me about the process for him, um, of him transferring. And then uh, he called me and was like, hey, listen, this other county, this county you're living in now is, we're getting, we're getting emails and they're, they're extremely short-staffed. And they're asking some of our officers to go work there. Because they're they're at critical staffing levels, so I was like, well, maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a sign. So actually, one one day when I was off, I actually went to 
the office that I work at now because I wanted to see I wanted to see where the office was. I wanted to meet the supervisor there, and I kind of want to kind of get a feel for the office. So I went in, you know, introduced myself. Hey, you know, you know, I'm X Y Z from this county. I'm thinking about transferring. I just kind of want to get a feel for the office. They were very very hospitable. Um, you know, gave me a tour. Um, you know, talk to me about my experience, you know, what was going on, what I was looking for. You know, I met the other officers there and I was like, yeah, I could do this. And I liked the idea that it was small. That, that's the thing about rural counties. They're small. Yeah, they're smaller offices. There's less staff because there's a lower population. You know, once I put once I put my um, my name in and said I wanted to transfer this county, um, it took about it took about three weeks. For the transfer to go through, um, I think there was some feet dragging because um, you know I was doing drug court, which was a specialty position. They had to find somebody to take that position. Um, then I had to train that person, kind of show them how the you know how drug court ran. Um, and I think that's kind of why they 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 made it a three week wait. So there's like a transition period, and then you know once I was cleared to come, came over. Um, you know, you get to keep all your equipment. It's not like you have to like turn your stuff in. Only thing I had to turn in was my state cell phone, which was assigned to that county, and my state car, which was assigned to that county. And then when I came here, I got a new state cell phone and a new state car. Um, but besides that, you know, you keep all your safety package, you keep your firearm, you keep all that stuff with you. Um, so, was there a pay difference from going from a drug court officer to what now? I'm assuming that you're a regular line officer then. Yeah, I'm a regular. I'm a regular line officer now. Um, there's no pay difference because with specialty positions, you, there really is no. There's no financial benefit to it or at all. It's like what? people usually take the people usually take those positions because they're smaller caseloads. You're specialized, and it looks better when you look when you get when you try to go for supervisor. What in my yeah. time, there was a pay uh, increase when you took take on a specialty caseload. Yeah, they don't do that here. Not at all. <laughs> they, they gang, officer, <laughs> gang officer, sex offender officer, there's, there's no financial difference to it. Like so said, they put all the money is, into I'm hoping they put all the money that they get, the grants, into the actual program itself, since they're not giving their officers any of the money. <laughs> you know, that's a story for know. another day. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's above what I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Going back to being a line officer was a little different because you'd be, you'd be surprised how many how many things I forgot how to do. Because when I started, I was a line officer, and I did that for two years um, before I took over drug court. And there's so much you do as a line officer because you have all levels of supervision. You do you deal with all kinds of cases, and there's just a lot of things I just forgot because I hadn't done in a while, like how to do interstate compact cases, you know, how to, how to do transfers from other counties. It's, there's just things I just forgot how to do. Cause I just, I hadn't done them in a while. Cause when you specialize, you specialize, you get really good at one set of things. I was really good at drug court when it comes to some abuse, you know, I knew, I, I knew, I, mean, I still know a lot of it in terms of, you know, different drugs and their effects and, you know, the program and things like that. I was really good at it. But in terms of the rural versus urban probationing, it's like I said, it's not that it's um, easier or harder. It's just different. Is there a different because, population? Well, I mean, the county population is different. Yeah. 
So it's smaller. Um, even though the county I'm in is kind of growing, a lot of people are moving in because there's a lot of land out here. People are building developments and houses. So and so a lot of people from the larger urban areas are moving in to live, even though they live, even though they work in the other counties. So I have a lot of people on my caseload that they live here, mm-hmm. but they work in the other counties, the larger counties that surround us. What is the uh, ca- average caseload like there at the new county? So right now one. I'm sitting at around 75. And I think that's about the average traffic. You are right chilling. Now. You chilling over here. Well, you got to figure it out. When I was in drug court, I had 35. No, I'm, sa- I'm saying like regular line officer from this county to regular line officer numbers at the other county. Um, the other county, they had less. They probably had maybe like 55 for a line officer. Y'all be chilling over there. <laughs> numbers oh, are yeah. sitting at 120, 130 right now for regular yeah, line officers in this area. But you got to figure we do more than you guys. We actually go out, do arrests. We actually go out. We have to go out and check on people a lot more often. We actually have to go in people's houses. We got to do searches. There's a lot more things you we do than with you guys. Like we gotta we gotta revisit that that gotta do search. Yeah, part. there's um there's there's certain part, you know, if they have if they're on for a sex offense, they have to be searched. If they're on for a domestic violence offense, they have to be searched. If they're a gang if they're a gang member they have to be searched. But I thought um, all of those were in specific caseloads, no? Well in the rural counties we don't have specific caseloads. Everybody so, gets every, I have everything. I have I have everything from low-level offenders that report online to I just have to like check up on them every now and then, just make sure you know they're still in compliance. I don't really see them that often, but I still have to pop up and me call them, say, "Hey, you didn't pay your money this month," or "Hey, don't forget, make sure you finish your classes." But I don't really see them that often. All the way up to level one high-risk offenders that need to be seen very frequently. Then everything in between. You know, um, I, we, I have sex offenders. I have gang members. I got domestic violence. When you're when the rural counties, there's no specializing. You get everything. Okay, so do you feel like you touched on a little bit about having online reporting for the low risk offenders? Like you just see mm-hmm. them virtually. Do you uh, feel like I, that? I don't, I don't see them every month. They have to log in and fill out an online report, uh-huh. which is kind of like some of the same kind of questions we would ask them when they come into the office. Mm-hmm. Because it's not as detailed, because we know we kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Um, but you know, are you still working? Did you pay your monies? Have any contact with law enforcement? Those generic questions, kind of, they answer yes, no, and there's a little box at the bottom where they can type in any anything they want to tell us. You know what I mean? Oh, I changed my job. In my old county, we had that type of interaction with the offenders, but they would come in every three months. Like you would do your online reporting for one one month, two months, and the third month you come in. Or you know, in person visit, and then I don't, I don't know if it's uh, the computer tells us when we have to see them face to face. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be um, in the office. We can go see them at their house, which is what I prefer to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if it's every three or four months. I'm not sure what the formula is. I didn't really mm-hmm. look into it. The computer tells you when you, when you got to see them. Okay. Sorry. So here, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with sex offenders that I'm going to have to go to supervisor. like, all right, I don't want to do with this. What do I do? How do I do this? You know what I mean? Before, gang members. They didn't really do, deal with too many of those. Um, but got to do with them here. The is there something special that you have to do with gang members? Yeah, they have their own, they have extra, they have their own special conditions that they have to comply with mm. in addition to the regular conditions of probation. 
Can you tell me like one or two of them? Because I've never heard of it. They can't wear gang colors. They can't be. They can't be. They can't wear gang signs. They can't go to court. They can't show up for court unless it's the, unless they're actually on the docket. Because um, you know they'll they'll go to court for their homies and stuff like that. So they can't do that. They can't be found in possession of any gang related material. I know for Is there the anything night, specific that you as an officer have to do differently when you're yeah, supervising? You have to search them um, every so often. Their um, person or their home or both? Both. They have to be on ankle monitor, I think, for the first 90 days that they're on supervision. They have to report in every two weeks for the first 90 days. There's, like I said, there's just different conditions they have. They're more, it's more intensive. So they have to show up more, and you got to go go visit them more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're more high risk, so you gotta you gotta check on them more. So you gotta make sure they're still not out here engaging in gang activity. Exactly. Yeah. Which is it's weird because you know in rural in the rural areas it's like yeah they're gang members but it's not like a gang member in a city you know what I mean. It's this, I've never experienced that um, gang member in a city or rural area. Like, are you like literally seeing this out? Like, seeing them well, hang out? Here's the thing. Like, no. Like, like in my old county, gang members they'll, they'll they claim certain like neighborhoods, right? So, like, oh, this is our neighborhood. This is our set. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, they might they might you know claim like a housing development or something like that. But out here in the world, everybody lives in trailers. They, they're like miles apart from each other. You know what I mean? Even the little cities aren't really big cities because they're very spread out. So there's no like neighborhoods really for them to claim. Okay. So it's just, it's just, it's just different. I don't have any pe people that are like, oh yeah, I was a gang member out here in these streets before I went to prison. Now most of them are in, were in a gang because they went to prison. And so like, they can't renounce that or say I'm not part of this gang anymore? They can. There's a procedure to do it. Um, it's pretty complicated. But I mean, they can if they want to. And most of them are just like, yeah, I don't do it anymore. But I'll, so I'll just follow the rules and I just want to do what I got to do to get off. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, most of them is kind of like they, they did it because they needed protection while they were in prison. So if they're not participating anymore, why, why do you guys put them on a gang uh, because they're because they were validated while they were in prison, so they're validated. So you got to go through the motions. That's crazy! Oh wow! Yeah. I mean, hey, you know who who knows? I guess they could they they re out of prison and still keep doing the same kind of gang stuff. But like I said, the ones I have, they're like, yeah, I just did it because I was in prison. But that's not really what I am or what I'm doing in my life. You know. So what if somebody's outside? They've never been, you know, a part of a gang in prison. They the state probation state parole officers knows about nobody knows but once they're out and then they start getting into some gang activity and you find out or an officer finds out can they place them on a yeah a, what, what, we, what we would do is we would um we would submit them for a uh a gang a gang assessment they would meet with a with a certified gang officer and then they have like a interview criteria assessment that they go through with them you know look at tattoos ask them about history and you know stuff like that i don't know all they do because i'm not i'm not a certified gang investigator um they'll go through all that with them and then they'll determine what they're gonna then they'll submit that up to 
someplace, someplace in the in the some some department that handles that, and they determine whether they are actually going to be validated as a gang member or not. Okay. But like I said, I don't really deal too much with that whole process, so I don't really don't know the ins and outs of it. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, back to back to being like a royal officer, which is different. One thing, like I said, okay, so. I got a 15 minute drive home from the office now mm-hmm. and I love it. That's, that's the main reason I came here is 15 minute drive to the office. So, you know, I leave, I leave work. I'm home in 15 minutes, you know, take my stuff off and, you know, I'm home to be dad. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what makes me happy. So that's kind of the, the big reason um, I made this change. It is a little bit less stressful. I mean, the caseload is a little bit bigger, but especially when I came in, because they had been so short staffed for a while, you know, a lot of people, like a lot of the offenders were kind of bouncing around from officer to officer. You know, they really weren't sure what they had to do, where they were at, you know, what, you know, different people were telling them different things. So a lot of when I came in was just trying to clean everything up, get everybody on the right page, kind of set the expectation, like, all right, this is what we need to do to get you to the finish line. And then people that weren't in compliance, you know, going out, seeing them, and getting them into compliance, getting them into the office. You know, it's kind of basically working the caseload, doing all the case management stuff, getting everything where it needs to be, getting all the files in order and the way they need to be for policy. So once I did that, I'm at to the point now where everything is kind of in place. I know everybody on my caseload. I know where they're supposed to be at. Um, I only have like two or three people right now that are not in compliance. And just getting, you know, or either arresting them or getting them back on track is what, what I'm working on. So right now, even though my caseload is higher, um, I have a pretty good grasp on it right now. What other differences I mean, have you noticed so far? Um, the courts are different. Uh, my old county, they had court, you know, they have a big courthouse, numerous courtrooms. They have different kinds of courtrooms that deal with different kind of things. They have like family courts and DV court and getting them. I think once once every other month they have a game, just a game court, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, they have drug court. You know what I mean? Uh, probation had its own court days, but here in the small county, there's two courtrooms: one for district court, one for superior court. That's it. They're both in separate buildings. Superior court, we have our own court court date once a month. District court, they don't have that. We're tossed in with all the other charges, all the traffic citations and new arrests and everything. Where all our stuff is on the same days as them. So in theory, you, you go to court. Court starts at nine thirty. You go in. You're sitting there all day until they call your case. Mm. It's not like the old county where we had we had just probation court. So because there was so case. much more to be addressed. Exactly yeah. the volume of it. The volume yeah. of it. But like I said, there's a less of a volume here, even though it's like, I mean, we can, <laughs> I mean, definitely there's been days where I sat there all day in court waiting for my case to be called. This is what it is. We hate those days. Yeah. What kind of officer would you say would be better suited, in your opinion, like characteristics of an officer? If, if, would, you, would you think like an officer who's like chill, ready to retire on that end of things to go to a rural county or you know a fresh officer out the gate out of college they're ready to get it in go to a more city place so you can get more of a well-rounded experience right away oh that's a hard question um 
I think either one of them, you know, a veteran officer that's kind of looking to kind of slow down, or even a new person, I think a world county would be better. Because you can, you can, I mean, you could do both, really. Because I mean, we, you know, if if you a new officer coming in and you kind of want to learn how to do everything, you're gonna you're gonna get that in rural county because you do you handle everything. Um, and a new new uh, older person looking to kind of slow down a little bit, the rural county. There's even like even my county, even though it's rural, like I said, we're kind of picking up because we have a lot of people kind of moving in. But there's even more rural counties than mine, where it's like they only have like three, maybe four officers, you know, for the county. So that's even slower, slower pace, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for all the listeners, that's a good thing. Like if you are looking to be chill, a little bit more chill, or a little bit more busy, there's options with this profession. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're a little young, uh, you, know, you know, if you're you know, a younger officer and you want a lot of action and you want to, you know, be out there in these streets and, you know, doing a lot of arrests and, you know, being busy and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the more urban counties are, you're definitely going to get more of that. A lot more of that. Um, that's how it was in my previous county. It was just busy. You know, our county was always on the news. There's, oh, there's this shooting. There was that shooting. This happened. That happened. You know what I mean? You're, you're, get, you're dealing with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's what you want to be out there doing... I mean, that's how I was, but, you know, I'm to the point now, I'm like, man, I got this mortgage, I got these kids, I'm just trying to go to work, do my job, and come home. This is out there running and gunning, y'all. Uh, used to be. <laughs> used to be. So do you um, still have the laptop in your county vehicle? That's what I want to know. Uh, No, because that laptop belonged to drug court, so they had to go to the, the new drug court officer. And I know how much you love it. Well, I, lo- I did, I did, <laughs> I did. But you know what I realized here is that with the rural counties, it wouldn't, have, it really wouldn't matter because the cell signal is so bad out here, I wouldn't be able to really be able to use it. Okay. So I'm kind of like, you know, I do everything kind of paper. I print my list out of who I'm going to go see, and you know, I go see them. I document it on my paper, and then when I get back to the office, I put all my notes in. Um. Because, like I said, half half the time you don't really have cell signal, or if you might have cell signal, you might have actually like enough like internet signal. You might even make a phone call, but it don't mean you can like log into the system or do nothing. You know what I mean? Okay, because that was gonna be my next question. You out here in this rural county, what if something happens? You don't have no signal. Yeah, I mean we have we have our um I mean, we have our our radios, um, but even those there's certain there's definitely been a cut there's certain spots in the county where you go and your 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 radio's just beeping because it has no signal. And you're not nervous about that. I mean, what you what I mean what what is there really to do about it? You mean you just kind of go in, you, you know, you stay in your p's and q's, keep your head on a swivel, um, you know, try to you know try to take care of your own safety. If I'm going somewhere where I really feel like uh, this guy's a problem, where I don't really feel safe, I'll take somebody else with me. Okay. Yeah, but I'm saying nine times out of ten, I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of you, you are the main one championing, talking about, oh, this job is dangerous. I wouldn't do this job without a weapon. And oh my in my God, mind, I'm like, like, if this job is so dangerous, I want to be able to access backup or call for backup in some type of way at all times. You also got to think here, all these rural counties, man, damn near everybody got a gun. 
if I got some kind of shotgun or something on their property, you know what I mean? Well, exactly. these trailers, these farms. The only reason for you to need to be able to call somebody in the event something. Or in the event you roll up and something is going on. My, my, the way I look at it is I handle the situation first. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then call, then call for somebody to come clean up. That's the way I look at it. Because if you're trying to get help while you're in the middle of something, plus you know with the county, you know, because most of the most of the most of the places you're going to, the sheriff's office covers. Um, I mean, we have a couple small towns that have their own police departments, but most of it's covered by the sheriff's office. And listen, if you need help, mm-hmm. you're talking 15, 20 minutes when they get there. I've had the radio for assistance twice uh-huh. out here. And it took the sheriff's office 15, 20 minutes to get there. Just because oh, the county is so big, God. it's so rural, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it, you know they got to drive to my house to get to you. You know what I mean? No, granted, both those situations, it was nothing. Was, the first one was I was going to a guy's house, and uh, I found a gun. He had a gun in his house. I was able to detain him without incident and then call for the sheriff's office to come. So, uh-huh. like I said, you know, they, they took 15, 20 minutes to get there. Um, that really wasn't a problem. And I think the second time was I was looking, uh, I was doing up, I was looking up, scan the guy. I just had to go um, verify. I just had to go see his, I just go to go to his house one more time for his parents to tell me that he wasn't living there. And by golly, he was there. He hadn't been there the five other times I've been there. The last time I just needed them to tell me, no, he's not here. He was there. And like I said, he was giving me an attitude. So you know, I got radio for assistance, but he didn't, you know, he didn't give me an issue when it came to actually cuffing up. Um, but he was giving me an issue with getting in the car to go to the jail. So at least the sheriff's office was able to help with a transfer. All right, are the needs of the offenders any different? Like, okay, say for instance, in that county, more people were in need of a job well, versus this county where people are they're cool with that and they need something else as a higher prevalence of drug use or something. Um, there's, there's actually a decent amount of empl- employment out here. Um, there's a lot of, uh, manufacturing places because it's a rural, there's more land. So you can have like more like manufacturing warehouses and things like that. Um, so we have a decent amount of those. That's where a lot of people work and those kind of like building, uh, manufacturing places. Um, then a lot of people own farms and they work on farms. So they're self-employed as farmers, you know what I mean? Um, but in terms of like, you know, like DWI services or like domestic violence services, uh, substance abuse services, we do have those, but they're like in the, the main, the main, the main city here in the county. So if you live, if you live anywhere else, you have to travel in to the main city of the county in order to get those kind of services. And Transportation is a lot of issues for people because we have a lot of people on for DWIs, a lot of people who don't have valid driver's licenses, uh, a lot of people that you know can't afford a car. Um, so transportation is a is is a big issue. There's no public there's no public transportation out here. You know, it's not like so that would be a, uh, so in comparison to the other county. Yeah, they yeah have mass no transit way. and everything like that. But yeah, you don't have that out here. So what are you doing when people say, "Oh, I don't have a ride to do this or a ride to go do that"? Are you, um, um honestly, I, I tell them the same thing. I tell every other adult, you're an adult. You got to figure it out. You know, these are the conditions that you were assigned. Um, you, you got to figure it out. You got to talk to somebody in your family, talk to somebody in your circle. You got to figure it out, especially when, you know, when it comes to like office appointments and things like that. I'm like, you got to figure it out. Your appointments are once a month. 
you, you know your next appointment is 30 days out. You have 30 days to make any kind of arrangements that you got to do to get here to see me. Well, is it possible for officers to go visit the offender at their home in lieu of yeah. them coming to the office if they're just experiencing a, a little period of time where they don't have that transportation? Um, we can do technically do our office appointments at their homes. Um, the issue is you can't. The issue is more logistically because now that you know, instead of me being able to see you know a certain number of people in a in a period of time. Now I have to I have to go travel to see you, do your meeting, and then travel back to my office. Whereas opposed I can probably see three or four people in that time frame, as opposed to I'm only gonna see one. And so it's it's more of a inconvenience for me trying to But if you but you can, like the PO can do that. We There's can. Okay. It's, we, we can, but it's not recommended. Mm. Plus, you know, if we need to do a drug screen, you know what I mean? Or, um, you know, I can't, I, I can't, I don't have a computer to bring with me. So everything I do is on paper. So if there's any information I need to look up or anything like that, I can't do it because I don't have a computer and internet with me at your house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's just, I, we can, yes, we can go do that appointment at their home. Um, but it's just, it's more inconvenient. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. You know, there's a lot of counties and jurisdictions and states that are doing virtual um, reporting, not even having an officer go to their house or having the offender come in at all. They're just looking at them. All I, mean, I, think, I think that works for certain kind of offenders. I don't think it works for right, all offenders. Right, certain kind, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, I think there's some people who seem to be able to see them, lay eyes on them, drug test them. Um, you know, people you actually have to, like, they have a lot of things they need to do. While they're on probation, they got a lot of sanctions and condition court order conditions they have to do, and you really got to try to stay on top of that. And that's just you really can't really do that virtually, in my opinion. Now, if you know somebody low risk, you know what I mean. That you know, they're a regular person. They made a bad decision. They got yeah. probation. Just trying to make you know, make it through. Yeah, low the low risk low risk reporting is fine for that. Online reporting is fine for that, but yeah. Yeah, probation is definitely not a. Um one size fits all type of thing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's some people that need more some people that need more than others. Like Absolutely. That. That's why I like the idea of having separate case loads like, like having one officer do low risk offenders, one officer doing the sex offenders, one officer because you're able to kinda like you said, hone in on that specific thing and you become really good at it and stand on top of it. I just also think, I, I mean I like the dynamic. Officers. Huh? That's the issues that requires you to have a lot of officers to be able to yeah, do all those yeah, specialized exactly. different things. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But when you, when the county's able to do that, I, I like that dynamic. But you have to know really the main differences. Really, um, I'm getting used to it. Um, actually, I think I do actually enjoy it. Um, working in the smaller counties, more rural counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, definitely, I love being able to get home in 15 minutes. <laughs> you back to getting home 15 minutes. He's happy. That's that's important to me. I don't have the back pain anymore. Ugh. Yeah, so much better. Well, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Yes. On your yes. new home, on your new role, at your new county. Yeah. I said I think uh, I think I'll be riding this out till I retire. So we'll see. All right, two hats family. That is episode number twenty-seven. Rural versus urban probation. Um. 
definitely make sure you guys are following us on the at Two Hats Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you're following uh, Brittany on her Instagram and her YouTube and her Facebook. Yeah. Go, go ahead and give them all that social media, Britt. Yes, y'all can follow me on all the platforms at your favorite PO. Make sure you tap in. Thank you, Chris, for coming back finally. You know I'm mad at you, but we're gonna talk about that later. Man, life be life in you. <laughs> if y'all have any comments, leave them down below. And be sure to email us at two hats podcast at gmail.com if you would like to be featured on an upcoming episode. All right, family, y'all be safe out there. <laughs>